Hey, and uh, welcome to the fourth episode of the Dad Pod Games Cast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joe Owens, and with me, as always, uh, from Minneapolis, is Eddie Rathke. Howdy. <laughs> How are you doing today? Are you trying to stay cool in the heat? The Midwest is getting uh, slammed with uh, with some extreme extreme temperatures. Yeah, so uh, we have a sick kid at home, so it's mostly been dealing with that rather than dealing with the heat, which uh, I don't know which one's better or worse. But. I was gonna, I was trying to, I was trying to decide, and uh, I, I personally don't know. I don't have an, I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, um, especially when they're pre-verbal. It, uh, oh, it's terrible because you got to guess. You just yeah. got to guess, like, hey, what's what's wrong with you? Why don't you just tell me? And the answer <laughs> they is can't. everything is wrong. Oh man, it's when they're sick, they just they're just miserable, and so yeah. you know you're not sleeping, they're not sleeping. It's uh, it's a whole thing. Um, yeah, which, which is you know. it's funny because uh, a few weeks ago I started this thing that my friend uh, J. David Osborne recommended doing, which is waking up at five and writing until like seven. Like, so I wake nice. up at five a.m. and uh, haven't been able to do that since my son has been sick because he'll wake up at like three or something, right? <laughs> And I so, don't then feel like waking up a second time an hour no, later. No, I, I, I get that. Um, I think I've probably told you this, but um, I haven't told the listeners this. Uh, my, you know, I've got uh, two, two sons. Uh, one's going to be um, eight this year. Another's going to turn 10. And um, the one who, the oldest, uh, he, do, he doesn't sleep in. He's never slept in. Um, to, on the weekends, it doesn't really matter. Like whatever, he's he's waking up between 5:30 and 6 o'clock um if yep. we can get it past six uh it's that's fantastic now if he sleeps until seven which has happened probably a number i could count on one hand uh times in literally <laughs> a decade uh that's like a miracle like you're just like you don't even know what to do with your time because like he like gets up and he like he's very chatty he wants to like yeah. he, he's got like a it, one day he was explaining like zelda this was uh, with breath of the wild before tears of the kingdom came out he was he was having all these like like hypotheses about which way the uh, the story was going to go, um, and I was like, "Man, like I I haven't even had coffee yet. Like, <laughs> like just give me ten, yeah. give me ten minutes, you know, and and we'll 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 rock out with some Zelda fan theories, and then uh, I, I can either tell him or not tell him how close close he was. And he was on the <laughs> right track. I was very I'm very impressed with his uh, comprehension abilities. Yeah. Um, that's funny because so my eldest son is the exact same way. Um, he he would he wakes up between five thirty and six thirty every day. We gave him this um, it's like a a wake up light. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so, the, is it the clock that like turns green at a certain yep, time? Yep. Yeah, we ha- we have we have two of those. Yeah, so he is a very uh, compliant kid. So he at least follows that, which lets us sleep in until seven. Um, yeah. but yeah, often he's been awake for a while and it's kind of the same way he, I can probably count on, yeah, one hand, the times that he's slept in past seven. Yeah. Kids, um, they just they hit the ground running, man. Yeah. He told us that he likes to wake up. He doesn't like to go to sleep. And I was like, yeah, that sounds right. Cause like when he wakes up, he just hops out of bed and is ready to go. They, yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, my eldest son who, whose name is my name. Uh, but he goes, he goes by Joey. He's just, he hits the ground. He's like, got his like game plan for the day. His brain yeah. works at this, uh, incredible pace. Um, it, it's, it's very, it, he's just like, he, he's just ready. Like he is ready to go. Yeah. There's like no, 
there's no sleepiness. There's no like you know yawning, rubbing the uh, you know corners of his eyes and stuff. He's just like, okay, uh, I'm recharged. Let's 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 do the day. Let's do yeah. it. Let's do it at a hundred percent until I literally hit the bed and crash. That's just how he's always been. Yeah. Um, same with uh same with our eldest. He just he don't quit. Yeah. And then our uh, our younger our second born he uh he he likes to sleep in. Oh man, I I don't even know what that'd be like. I don't know what it's like because uh you know my kids are not nappers either. So like oh, yeah. I, I I'm constantly proverbially uh, running on empty uh, as far as sleep goes. <laughs> uh, I mean I'm, I'm uh-huh. hitting the six and a half hours a night. I wish it was more. Um, you know I couldn't figure out for the longest time why I was so tired all the time. Got myself uh you know a smartwatch. Uh, that records your you know stages of sleep and i'm like oh i average between 20 and 40 minutes of deep sleep a night and that really really explains a lot um, oh dang yeah that's it's bad it's bad <laughs> like so, some people like don't sleep a lot but they'll get like an hour or two hours of like deep sleep you know that recharging sleep and yeah uh, uh, my body is messed up so i don't know i gotta have a a doctor take a look at that but or, uh, or you need your watch to be checked out <laughs> no, I think the unfortunate fault. Oh man, I wish it was, but like all, all these things are uh, things that I had noticed before, and then the watch is like, "Hey, uh, I'm just uh, I'm just here to confirm. I'm just here to confirm what you already knew." Yeah. So, but today, today, Dad Pod, what we're going to talk about is uh, probably something that is uh, uh, overdue at this point, as far as uh, video game podcasts go, and uh, we're going to talk very sort of generally, broadly, and anecdotally about uh, Mario. Oh yeah, so Mario is uh, he's he's eternal basically. I yeah. I don't have a memory of the first time I saw Mario because he is essentially pre-memory for me. That's how long and, Mario's been in my u- life and ubiquitous. I mean, he's everywhere and all 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 at once. I mean, he's just he's there. He's part of the zeitgeist. Yeah, and it's like in essence, I've I've known Mario before I knew Mario because yeah. You know, I, uh, yeah, pre-memory, he was just there and I was playing with him. We were, we were I was going to say, I time. feel like I understand what you, what you meant by that, but I was going to, I want to, I want you to di- uh, like dig deep on that one just for a minute. Uh, <laughs> well, and it's, knowing it's, him before knowing him. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, I guess that's how some people feel about God. Um, so maybe Mario is God to me, but <laughs> I mean, he, he, he very, he very much might be, he, he's got uh near religious fanaticism surrounding him, which is its is, own thing that we're not going to probably talk much about, but though it is warranted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. That could be, it's just its own show, the fanaticism. Yeah. But it's funny. Cause like, so my best friends growing up, they lived two doors down and, uh, they had an NES and, uh, I would just go over there. We'd play Mario. They were my age too. So we were, you know, like three, I guess when we started playing Mario, yeah. probably. Yeah. That seems, that seems, that seems about right. Um, and I mean, we've already talked about like, uh, mario rpg but most interestingly probably for this podcast is that uh over the last year so like in 2022 um i played every single 2d mario with my son and uh it was you know it's kind of i've i've caused him to probably have the same feelings of mario so in 30 years when he looks back he'll be like i don't remember the first time i saw mario He's just always there. He's just always been there. And hopefully he'll remember that I was also there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, he will, because uh, as far as my recollections go, um, we didn't have an NES first, but we did get one shortly after they launched. Uh, and my dad 
would always play it with me. Uh, he called it Mario. He's very uh, he's very much from the East Coast. Um, he's he's from Maryland, but uh, it seems pretty common. From I've heard a lot of people from New York and New Jersey call him Mario. Um, <laughs> we'd play two player, you know, and, and and second player on Mario One was Luigi. Uh, he didn't know that he called him Green Mario. Uh, so you know, shout out to my dad for uh, calling him Green Mario before the internet memes started. Green Mario. Uh, it's uh, you know, and that was that was one of my funnest, like earliest memories of games is is my dad and I just taking turns, you know, pl- playing the Super Mario Brothers, uh, uh, you know, on the, on the brand new Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't get better than that. But yeah, I'm so... Trying to, I'm trying to think. I, I, I should have... I should have... The, the one date that I didn't put in my, my notes today was the, the, the release date of Mario. Uh, I guess I didn't because we didn't get it, like, on release day, so it's... Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily matter, but I was just trying to pinpoint my exact age. I'm just going to well, say five or yeah, four for the for the u.s Six. um the nes came out in 1985 and so however old you were in 1985 is how old you were when mario came to america yeah so i think we got it not quite a year after so i i would have been four going on five okay yeah, yeah. um and interestingly because i was a, uh, I was just thinking about this i was like man like Mario came here in 1985, but he, the NES and the first Super Mario was released in 1983. So we are 40 years of Mario. Yeah, which is it's it's, it's incredible. Um, yeah, we're and when you think we, about how good, <laughs> oh, we're super old, dude. Uh, man, uh, one time when my uh, my my son was, uh, I mean, he was probably two at the time. Um, just out of the blue, he said, uh, he said, Dad, he said, you're you're an old man, but I'm a new man. And I was like, Ooh, I like that, man, that's just, uh, uh you know, I, I turned to dust, uh, just sort of like Avengers end game, <laughs> Thanos yeah. just being spirited away by the breeze, uh, just I, instantly I like, felt older. Yeah. I like that construction though, is that I'm a new man. Yeah. Because once upon a time, Mario was that new man. Mario was the super new man, the newest, hottest of the new mans. And, <laughs> And I mean, I mean I everybody, th- everybody had, it. I guess everybody had it cause it was a, a pack in, you know, uh, yeah. unless they were buying their, uh, their, their consoles used, um, or like being like loaned from a friend, like Mario was probably their introductory to Nintendo. Right. Um, and for me it was Mario duck hunt and then also world-class track meet because it all came on one cartridge with the power pad <laughs> uh-huh. way back, way back whenever that was. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I don't know. Mario was, um, Basically, he was a new thing. I I don't know if he was the first 2D platformer. Let's just assume that he wasn't. But for all intents and purposes, he was for the us, first. For us, yeah. For most American kids, I would say uh, especially for most, of a certain age. I would say for like most everybody, 2D platformer 2D platformers are just Mario's until you get to like probably the last eight years. Right. Yeah. And we've seen an explosion of 2D platformers again, but I would say, well, maybe I guess until Sonic. But I don't know. Sonic is like a different. To me, it's not a platformer. It, it is. Yeah, it's diff. It's different. It is. It is like a side-scrolling action game that that doesn't have shooting. Yeah, you know? and because I would it, even it, say Mega Man is also different than a platformer. Um, it has platforming in it, just like Castlevania yeah. has platforming in it. 
Yeah. But I think Mario is like the platonic ideal of a platformer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, everything in that game uh, is just balanced uh, beyond belief. Uh, you know, uh, I remember remember playing it, and it was a thing. I was I I didn't have the vo- the vocabulary for it at the age, but I remember you know it was like a thing that you could practice and get good at, the way that you could like practice basketball, you know, or baseball, and like you could get good at like the more you did it, uh, it, it 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 didn't feel. I'm trying to think of the words to, to to use it even now. It's sort of escaping me, but like it didn't feel like unfair or or nebulous or like you know uh, unfathomable in a way that like just you, you know you couldn't wrap your brain around. You know, I was right. you know, we'll say again we'll say five, and I was like I can I can get better at this. I could I can you know eventually like beat this thing. Right, and I would say, you know, like when's the last time you played one of Castlevania one through four, one of those games. Uh, very recently, uh, okay, I love me me some some Castlevania. I like all the Castlevanias, uh, especially. Well, I mean, I, I my my experience is very limited with the three D ones, but I love absolutely love and adore uh, the two D Castlevanias. Yeah, but so like one of the funny things to me about so after I played Mario, I played some Castlevania games with uh, my son, and the platforming is so bad, yeah. like, and it's so unforgiving because it's like. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe not even bad. It's very weighty. It's got so much gravity. Simon feels heavy. Yeah. Like Simon and Richter at, at all. They, 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 not until you get to, like, you know, uh, Symphony of the Night, does it, you, does it really feel like you're starting to get some uh, agility? Yeah. But I also think it's, like, it's the pixel-perfect nature of jumping that I think makes it difficult. Because um, because of how heavy they are, their jump is short. Right, and some of those jumps you have to extend their jump as far as possible. Yeah, but by like getting it, to the very edge of whatever you're jumping from to land yeah. on the very edge of whatever you're jumping to. Yeah, and because of how unforgiving those pixels are, you just die a lot, and yeah. uh, <laughs> that's annoying. Whereas like Mario, oh, it's, su- it's super frustrating, um, especially when your you know game overs appear so frequently yeah. in in the NES era. Yeah. And it's like Mario is forgiving despite being pretty challenging. Like, um, right. it's funny too. Cause, uh, so before last year I had, I don't know. I had, I didn't, I didn't really think about Mario that much in the 30 years in between because, you know, I don't know. You just play tons of Mario when you're a kid and then you kind of don't yeah, play you just for a play, long time. You start, yeah. You just start getting into other stuff. And, uh, but I mean, Mario's still always there. Yeah, but it's like you you pick up Mario now and then like you'll you'll play the first world of like Mario three and you're like oh yeah this game's pretty easy, and so between the last time I really played Mario, which was probably like when I was ten years old, and last year when I was playing them with my son, I got it in my head that Mario games are easy, and uh, yeah, yeah was, that's a that's not nope, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's kind of interesting because it is so forgiving and it is so inviting at first like right. The, the games are they start relatively easy um you know you might die the very first time you play it a few times but like sure you get momentum and you figure it out and you can start doing flawless uh you know untouched levels and things like that even when it's the first time you've played one but then it's like you it's not like you hit a cliff of challenge but it's like the the incline becomes real steep real suddenly and you come to it does feel pretty sudden yeah, you'll come to a level and, uh, you know, you've banked like 40 lives because, you know, it's kind of easy to get lives. Mm-hmm. 
and then you spend 20 of them on this one level and you're just like shit yeah you're, that was you're hard wondering, <laughs> yeah you're wondering like for for me i start like uh extrapolating and thinking okay if you know if this one was this hard and i just used 20 20 of my lives how am i gonna have enough like right. do it in some you know in some of the later mario games you can go back and like uh, kind of grind out some more one-ups and whatnot but like yeah. in the earlier games like you almost had to kind of plan your plan your route like if i've if i've died x amount of times by this point i'm probably not going to have enough to finish it yeah i don't think it's until mario 4 or super mario world that you can go back and farm lives because uh oh well, yeah in, in mario 1 and 2 there's no overworld you just right you, you just play um right. in mario 3 in the overworld when you complete a level it disappears right it like you, you can't revisit it. yeah so like you if if you get stuck on world well i mean <laughs> this is even another thing you can't leave a world once you're in it to go back right so it's like if you were in world six and you hit a brick wall you can't go back to world one even if you wanted to to uh oh, you can you just spend all your lives and hit the game yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, and you then, just and then yeah folks folks don't know the struggle of having all your progress uh just erased because you had to turn the console yeah. off or something like that. <laughs> yeah and that was a uh, so i didn't have a nes growing up we got the super nintendo but so it still had all the uh nes mario games yeah on uh but uh i love them so, three the, the 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 mario all-stars are so good it's still it's such a good just single cartridge because back in the day you didn't realize really that uh you know, putting like three things on one was just unheard of where you can, yeah. you can put a bunch of stuff on, on like a memory stick now, but like back then it was like incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and like, interestingly, Mario three was meant to be the final Mario. I mean, in essence, every Mario has been designed to be the final Mario. Yeah. Um, there's a YouTuber who did a documentary on super Mario world who kind of goes into this, um, Frank Cifaldi, at the video game history foundation podcast interviewed him i don't know months ago maybe a year okay. ago but yeah. uh if we'll, i'll find it and put it in the show notes but it's pretty good yeah, for sure let's let's get that in there because it'll be, it'll be good yeah it's just like you know mario one was also meant to be the very last uh super mario game because it, it was meant to be like a showcase of what you can do with the nes hardware um, yeah as of as we know, like, uh, you know, cartridges became sort of supplementary software for the hardware at that point. Right. So you could make, you could make more game in the, and hold it in the cartridge so that when you plugged it in, it would, you know, be a, be a beefier game. Right. Um, expansion, and, expansion chips. And, yeah, basically. And, and, and whatnot. And so Mario 3 was meant to be like, look, this is as far as you can push this technology. This is the last Mario. And of course, you know, there's it wasn't but at the time no. and like not only was it not is like a few years later they made another one but then yeah. uh super mario world was the last 2d mario for i don't know at least 10 years yeah it was was the next one the uh the ds new new super mario brothers was that the next 2d mario i think so i think it's the fir- the next original super mario because yeah. like they re-released um the marios on uh game boy and uh or game boy advance one of those yeah. ones it was, it was a game uh game boy advance yeah so new super mario was i feel like it was like 2007 ish yeah know, something like that and super mario world was i think 
three. One. I could look all this stuff. Was up. it? Was so it ninety one? Was I thought it was nineteen? I think it's nineteen ninety one. When okay, nineteen ninety two. It was yeah. real early. Let's see, Super Mario World nineteen ninety. Damn. Oh wow, is that Japanese or North American release? Uh, probably Japanese. Gotcha. Um, Doesn't matter. I was just curious because oh, in North America nineteen ninety one. So yeah, nice. It was um, it was a good. It was a good, man. Those are some good years. Yeah, 91 so let's through see. like 95, just N- cartridge heaven between the two Nintendo yeah. systems. New Super Mario Bros. for the Wii came out in 2009. So almost okay. 20 years between 2D Marios. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a chunk of time. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean two, like, you know, gener- like a, a generation plus of kids playing, playing Mario games. Some kids like literally grew up playing 3D Mario games with no uh, like nostalgia. For, for the 2D platforming. Yeah, though I think one of the funny things about the 2D Mario games is like, even though there were 20 years basically in between them, I personally never felt like they went away. Like, and it, I think it's partly because of how good Mario 3 is. Like, yeah, M- Mario 3 is a really, really good game. And it feels, I mean, it feels just as, it feels better than most platformers that are still made. You know, and it was yeah, made... That's that's super fair. That's it was made 30 fair. years ago. <laughs> well they they just nailed it like they just they 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 got it really dialed in you know from the first two and they also you know they saw what other uh companies like Capcom and Konami and a couple others were doing uh in the platform space or in platform adjacent and uh they they were sort of able to dial it in i mean it, you got to be able to like quote unquote do your hardware better than the the other companies you know the third parties so yeah though this is my crunchiest opinion about mario yep give it to me let's hear is it. is that the reason that you still play video games now as an adult is because of how good it feels to run and jump as mario i i can i can buy that i i i can't think of anything at least off the top of my head to uh to disagree with that because it it is good yeah and I mean, it's, it's, it's it's literally there's nothing like it especially around that time so it's like and, and I think they even, to some extent, nailed it in Mario 1. Mario 3 uh, is, I think, the best feeling of Mario. But Mario yeah. 1 still has a tactile feeling to it. Yeah. And this is something that I think is distinct when you play Mega Man or Castlevania or Sonic, is that right. um, even though Richter has like a weight to him, you know, right. like he feels heavy because your jump is short and, uh, you know, not very high or long. Yeah. Um, not superhuman at all yeah but it also doesn't you don't feel his movement like there's no weight to his movement i guess is what i would say whereas like mario when you when you hit right on the d-pad uh even even when you start running so let's say you're running to the right he doesn't immediately just start at running there's there's momentum there's momentum involved like you know sort of like primitive physics uh encoded into it exactly but as primitive as those are they nailed it like it's oh yeah because it's that slow ramp up and then uh when you stop pushing right on the d-pad he doesn't just stop he kind of slows down yeah he slows down and it's it feels good and i I think that's why we sort of judged games that were of a similar vein if just mario adjacent about how close they were able to be or or managed to feel you know as good as mario like yeah man this this feels terrible because mario feels so good yeah and i think i don't think it was until i was an adult really and playing these playing a bunch of them back to back with my son last year 
that really made me able to articulate that. And so, like, when I was four, I it wasn't that I thought Mario felt good. It's that other games felt bad. Yeah, um, like, comparatively. Yeah, so a quick comparison that I was thinking of, um, our friend Kyle Munts, uh, he loves the Witcher games. And mm-hmm. uh, so I he finally convinced me to play The Witcher 3, but I had just finished playing Breath of the Wild. And so when I picked up The Witcher 3... Uh, everything felt so clunky. Like, it does. Movement is just bad, and um, I think that that's a somewhat unfair comparison to The Witcher Three. Probably, I don't know. I still haven't played it, but it's it's not so much that The Witcher feels bad; it's that Breath of the Wild feels so good to move. And yeah, I think I think think I think that's I think that's absolutely fair. And I think that Mario is the same way because, like, I think one of the best things about Mario is not just that, like there's the ramp up and then down when you run but that if if you're running full sprint to the right and then you turn left or hit left on the d-pad he slides and i think it's yeah it's i think i think it's the slide almost more than anything else that really makes mario feel alive um yeah it's it's a a movement with with intent or purpose right and it's sometimes uh, frustrating because like when you're making a long difficult jump and you land it and let's say it's your third try and you finally just like made that jump and uh then he slides off the other edge you're just like god yep. damn it <laughs> yeah I, and, and and that's literally a thing that's happened to anyone who's played mario hundreds of times yeah and, and i think i talked about it a little bit with like red dead uh redemption 2 how you know it's an excellent game a technical masterpiece uh story is great writing's great you know that, that on a technical level but i feel like it just feels terrible to play so mm so often and that's that's uh that's hard for me like i got a friend uh his name zach uh loves like the rockstar games you know gta uh red dead uh really likes realism uh it's sort of like that's like his his bread and butter um but like what he it's interesting because what he really loves about games is the stuff that i don't really care about i mean flashy graphics and stuff are nice but i i need a good game feel and i'm wondering if a lot of that is because you know i just like my favorite games growing up were like a lot of the platformers and the things that had you know movement with purpose uh it had good good physics not just realistic physics because i mean if we're just being honest like the the physics you and i got to deal with on a daily basis kind of (laughs) suck like it's not like there's nothing cool about it you know you and i can't like jump like let's just say it was like on the moon where you can jump like you know three times as high or whatever like there's no there's nothing interesting about that to me because like if I just want something that's ultra realistic, I just I can go outside, you know. Yeah. Like if and I need to see realistic sweat, I can just go outside right now and just like wait 2 minutes and that's just not important to me. Yeah. Whereas like and I don't want to invalidate, you know, his his love for the for the technical but he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as like what I want, I I I don't care about that, you know. So yeah, man, yeah. I think I think that's like a, a thing you got to you you got to look at and Mario Mario did it so well early on that, you know, you you sort of you grow up on that, you cut your teeth on that, and then you're you're spoiled by it. You you now have a higher standard for what you're expecting out of stuff, which is why like I didn't get into the old Castlevanias until right. like the Super Nintendo or maybe even like the PlayStation One era going back and being able to appreciate that they're that they did that with a purpose. They designed the the slowness and the heaviness with 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 intent, uh, because it just didn't feel like Mario, and therefore it felt it felt bad. 
Yeah, I agree. And like, um, so something I talked about in a, my essay on Dragon Quest Eleven is I sort of break down gaming into like there's there's three core sort of pillars of a game. I think mm-hmm. you have story is one, gameplay is another one, and graphics is another one. Um, like you can't where, ignore. Where would you where would you put uh, like the sound sound slash music? Would you incorporate that in? Maybe would that Ooh. fall into graphics? Not in the sense that it's. Uh, they're they're not visual, obviously, unless you experience synesthesia. But like something <laughs> like the the way that your 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 physical senses perceive the game or uh, encode it into your brain. You know what? Um, that is a good question because I I think I could lump it into graphics, but I also think that that would be wrong. You know, yeah. it's kind of like maybe um, it goes with the story because it helps create ambience and atmosphere. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's possible or its own that thing. It's possible that like haptics should be its own or sensation should be its own pillar, um, yeah. because like uh, I'm not meaning it, to like deconstruct your essay no, no, it's, ac- <laughs> completely accidentally because it's like ruined. it's just it's it's so it, music and sound is such an important uh, feature for me that yeah. if a game has annoying sound or maybe uh, annoying voice acting, Xenoblade Chronicles too, um, <laughs> you know it's you got to find ways to turn it off or you're gonna have a bad time. And you know what? I wonder if part of why I didn't think of that specifically is because of how often I had to play games um, basically on mute growing up, which is not the ideal way to play. But like you made me think, too, it's, you know, how um, once rumble became vibrations became part of gaming. Yeah, Mm. which Um, I think we kind of thought might be a fad at first, you know, because it was like rumble packs you would insert into like the Nintendo 64 controller. It wasn't until like PlayStation, the end of the PlayStation one era that haptics started becoming built in. Yeah. And I think that, um, part of why it seemed like a fad and part of like, even when it became more omnipresent, it still kind of felt like a fad is because there wasn't like a, uh, there wasn't, people weren't using it intelligently. They were just like, you remember after the first avatar movie came out and then every movie just was released in 3d yeah, which um, kind, was not necessary. Yeah, it just kind of felt like that with rum, with rumbling for a little while until, um, I don't know which game figured it out. That would be an interesting question, actually. Yeah. But um, maybe the first time that I thought about it was Halo. Okay, that's a really good one. I, I was um, thinking like one of the first Gran, like Gran Turismo one or two with uh, like car sensation, uh, but there's no mm-hmm. there's no feedback in the steering, which would you know come later in like arcades. But yeah. Halo is a, Halo is a really good one. Uh, I think Halo because like what Halo yeah. did is um, there were different rumbles. You know, it wasn't just rumbles. Yeah. It like, wasn't just uh, like vibrating, like softer hard. Like it was like softer hard were the two features that seemed like they had. It wasn't very soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And like um, what they did in Halo, if I'm remembering correctly, is almost turned that soft and hard into like a symphony. You know, because mm-hmm. it's like the Warthog gave you a different vibration. And especially yeah. like the Warthog machine gun gave you a different vibration than um, just your regular yeah. whatever, whatever the guns are called. I, I felt um, like even like the when you were driving the Warthog, the the the, the like the I want to call it ro- the yeah the terrain noise, yeah. the road noise was very similar to what you might feel in a, in like a steering wheel. Now it's not a one to one thing like a steering wheel in a real car when you're driving. How you how you're constantly getting yeah. a slight like buzzing in your hands while you're driving. Oh man, we should do a whole episode just on like because man halo is actually a really really i think i think at this point it's 
underappreciated how yeah. much it changed first-person shooters. Oh, um, it, uh, it, it took the go- it took the baton from Goldeneye, uh, what, Goldeneye and, Perfect Dark, and really ran with it. Well, and like what what I think is most interesting about that is like if you know I played who knows hundreds of hours of Goldeneye, but then once you play Halo once and you have that second joystick, yep, going back to Goldeneye makes you feel like your hands are broken. It's almost impossible <laughs> like, because yeah. it's it, it, you oh, the way that I played Goldeneye. I can't remember. Uh, it's the way I had to flip the controls on Turok 2, and I think it was to mimic Goldeneye. I'm trying to remember because mm. this is this is a long time ago. But like, if when you when you look at it, you're actually like you know because the N64 had camera buttons rather than yeah. a stick. And so, if I'm not mistaken, I think rather than having the left stick be movement, I think left stick looked around and your movement forward, left, right, and back were on the camera buttons. So it's flipped from the way that you would do you know, on a, on a twin stick. So, so it's, a, it's actually weirder than that. And this is why, is it? this is why it, it's impossible to go back to it and play it once you've played a game like Halo is because, so you're, there's only one joystick, you know, it's in the middle and that Which moves you. Oh, very and, weird decision. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at it, the seemed, time. It, it made sense at the time. Yeah, well, uh, it made sense for Mario 64. It, yeah. Really. And one, it's like, and this is pre Xbox, you know, sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pre two, two, uh, two joysticks. But uh, so the the way it works is your joystick moves you forward and backwards, but then it's look left and right. Okay. Yep. So like it turns it's, you when you when you go back. when you go right you don't move right you turn right. So like if you want to yeah. move you know northwest you point your joystick in that direction, strafing to the left and right. Like if you just want to move in a straight line left and right to yeah. strafe is right. the, that was the left and right C buttons. Yeah, and then looking up and down were the up and down C buttons. Oh my god! I don't. How did we even do this? Well, yeah, <laughs> because exactly. it, because like right now, um, like it's it's hurting my brain to try to try to imagine it. Yeah, so it's like it's not just that the left joystick was uh was doing what a normal le- or what what the single joystick was not just doing what the left joystick does now. It was doing the uh, vertical act. Or no, it was it was only doing the horizontal axis, right? Wait, no, I don't know. It, it's weird. Like it, it it did the it does the forward and back of the left joystick. Yeah, but the left. I'm, picture, and, I can, I'm picturing it. Yeah, the left and right of the right joystick, though. Right. Which make yeah, it just it makes it bonkers. Um, but, but yeah, man, Halo is almost like as big a jump in that genre as I think Mario is for platforming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we should do a, an episode because it it, it, it absolutely ties into to when we were small and now with like our kids playing stuff is like, you know, it goes Doom then it flips over to the consoles for a little bit where, yeah. you know, GoldenEye and Halo and then it flips back to PCs with Half-Life, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, for some people, do... it never flipped. You know, they just went straight from Doom to Half-Life. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, but like I've always been sort of I, I might have mentioned this on this podcast already. Uh, very platform agnostic. I just wanted to go where the good games were if I had the money <laughs> to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, it. You know, and so like that's probably why I still have copies of you know any number of NES games and things like that sitting around my house and a decent collection of uh, 16-bit and 32-bit because like I didn't want to get rid of the stuff that I really liked. Yeah. Um, oh man. So you know much, what? Uh, I wish I, I had mean- the boxes though for the Mario's. That would be nice. I'm going to go back to my three pillars of gaming, and I'm going to yes. include uh, rumble, so haptic response, and music into gameplay. And here's why. 
Perfect. Let's they, do it. Hit, they, me, ac- hit me part two with it. <laughs> they accent the gameplay. They make it better. Um, because, well, that's that's basically it. They also can make the story better and graphics better. They, they, they're they kind of like yeah. everything. Imagine the opera house scene with no op- opera in yeah. Final Fantasy VI. Like, you... It's hard. You can't. You can't have yeah, it. It doesn't. It doesn't impact the same. It literally, at all. literally doesn't work. Um, yeah. But but so like I think what Nintendo games have always nailed above all else is gameplay. They always make sure that their games feel good to play, and that I think is why Nintendo is still a powerhouse even after spending you know two to three console generations just having their ass kicked. Yeah. And it's because, because they, like, but they had Mario. They had, you know, well, Mario, well, Zelda, and a couple other titles that people really wanted to play on Nintendo platforms. And I think it's be- it's not just, like... Because for some things, it's, like, the legacy is the bigger thing. Like, I think Sonic's endurance has more to do because people like Sonic than because they like to play the new Sonic games. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, especially um, the 3D ones, but that's, a, that's another yeah. topic for another Whereas, day. like, every Mario and every Zelda game has felt essential like they're all very good games even the ones that people think are bad are still super yeah good. they're still good they're just not they're just not incredible mario games right they're still they're still good or even great games they're just not you know just superlative shining examples of what mario is and can be right and so like then to bring this back to what you were talking about with graphics is like the way that the whole gaming industry has shifted priorities i think since final fantasy 10 which was uh the we'll we'll maybe talk about this later but uh i think final fantasy 10 broke modern gaming a little bit (laughs) but uh i could i could i can get on board with that if 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 you're gonna go in the direction that immediately comes to mind for me but yeah we'll 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 come back yeah circle around to final fantasy 10 on another day on another episode i'm gonna replay it soon so i'll maybe have some even hotter takes but uh Oh yeah, make them spicy. I think, I think it's like the way that graphics have become so uh, essentialized and like fundamentally important to the industry has made games worse over time. Yeah, well, especially in the AAA space. Uh, yeah, I think especially there. Yeah, because it's like you you pour hundreds of man, hundreds of just literally people into making the graphics better. And like you know, more photorealistic or smoother, and all this, and so your teams that make a game become gigantic. Yeah. And then the gameplay suffers because gameplay has to be able to fit the graphics rather than the graphics fitting the gameplay. Right. Because like I mean, like right now it's always like you got buzzwords every generation. Right now it's yeah. ray tracing, you know, and everyone's yeah. like rushing to do that when it's like you could make a really cool game that ran like way better and felt better if you weren't so worried about like how the physics interact with your environment and how like a certain object passes through a light source. And if that is, you know, represented accurately, like on a, on another surface that it's being reflected onto, but like people got to think about that now they have to absolutely dedicate weeks and months of their time, making sure that's perfect or as close to. Yeah. And I think like the perfect counter example or perfect example of what you're talking about is uh, breath of the wild game. You know, someone will be, oh, it looks like a PS2 game. It's like, no, it doesn't. But even if it, even if it did, yeah, exactly. Like even even if PS2 games did look that good, uh, that's good. Like the game, it's yeah. what allows the game to feel so good. Is like because all the attention went into gameplay and making right. sure every moment of being Link felt great, and, uh, and it's it succeeds. You know, and and what's really interesting uh, now that um, there's been a lot of uh, um, 
things happening in the you know the the modding of uh, hardware so that you're able to play uh, games you legally own on your PC and uh, seeing like Breath of the Wild run uh, as as well as it does because you can get that 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 baby locked in at 60 frames per second and it scales very nicely. Uh, it doesn't look terrible like when you when you you know blow it up to uh, 1440p or even 4k like <laughs> uh-huh. the, the the engine is actually really good um it it just shows that like <laughs> the heart and soul of what nintendo did with that game is uh is scalable and, and, and yeah. translatable and like and it's i think it's why nintendo has always been great is because they they're always a gameplay first company and i think a lot of that starts with mario you know yeah. um can Mario. I just say one more thing about Zelda oh. before we jump back? Yeah, just because this is relevant. Uh, from what I understand with Tears of the Kingdom, basically the entire game uh, and all the new like abilities that you can do were implemented and uh, like fleshed out and like put in and like worked. And then they wrote the story around it. I need to double check, but I'm pretty sure that I read uh, you know, a translated interview where they were talking about like the story basically came after the systems. Like we yeah. made it real fun and awesome. You know, I don't know if you've had a chance to play it yet. But I it's got this but... this new ascend ability. This is not a spoiler, but you can just like when if you're in a cave, you can just like go up through the cave to the top and it puts you above wherever it's at. Hmm. Because there's a lot of interplay between uh, verticality levels, yeah. you know. And so I'm just I'm trying to be very vague because number one, <laughs> we're not talking about Zelda, and number two, I don't want to spoil anything for you because it's incredible. Um, but like they did all this stuff. Uh, and Ascend specifically was actually a, like a developer tool that they were using to help the devs get up and down areas faster when they were trying like working out bugs. And they, the devs are having so much fun with it, they just left it in as an ability. That's hilarious. And and then they wrote the story around it, and the story's fantastic. Yeah, and like, I think that so like um, <laughs> how do you have, do this? Have you have you read Jason Schreier's uh, first book? Um, uh, Blood, sweat, and pixels. Yeah, that one. I I think I have it on my desk around here. Uh, I'm not gonna move things so that i don't pick it all up on the microphone but i have it around here somewhere yeah so you know that that book each chapter is just like the story of the development of a different game and what becomes apparent especially as um you talk about like bigger studios is that first they bring in like the writer comes in first and sort of like gives them the story and then they start building the systems and in the like you know two to seven years that the game is built um, some of the story becomes impossible. Right. Be, they have just, to go back and rework it because the systems that they can implement don't support what the story was doing. Yeah. And so, like, if you ever wonder why games like, you know, post-2006 have an amazing story for, like, the first, you know, half or quarter, and then it just right. becomes kind of, like, nonsense, it's... This, this is this, this is, is not why. even... <laughs> yeah, this is not a thing that they've corrected either. This is happening no. all the way through t- titles released this year. I'm not going to name any names, but like there's certain uh, very big games that are just they just fall apart after a certain amount of time because uh, I, I think that's kind of crumbling under its own weight uh, the, or, or the weight of its promises, what it's promising you in the yeah. in, in the inter the intermediate uh, parts following the like the intro, like what like what comes in the meat of the middle. Uh, it's got to it's got to support how, how you're going to stick the landing. Yeah, and I think like so part of what they do too is like so they build all these systems and then you know like six months before the game's released they bring the writer back in or or a different writer just somebody and they're like uh, can you make this make sense 
and they're like, right. uh, I guess <laughs> this is going to be, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. Uh, yeah. we, uh, you see this with television shows too. Uh, a lot of times when uh, oh, the yeah. writers have written themselves into a corner, um, and the result is often what seems to me like, uh, what panic looks like panic in yeah. a project. Yeah. Uh, I, cause I think for writers of books, at least a lot of times when we do that, we just George R. R. Martin that, you know, that baby, and we just wait and uh, sit on it, you know, unless you're under some sort of contract to get that thing pushed out. You yeah. you wait until you figure out a, a good way of getting out of it where games don't have that luxury. Like, right. you've got deadlines. Like, you got, I'm sorry, you have to find a way narratively to make this work because this is the game that we have and this is the yeah. game that we're going to ship. So yeah, we need we, a story. <laughs> we've already spent a hundred million dollars on it. It needs right. it needs to go out before Christmas, or the CEO is going to get fired, and he doesn't want that. So you have to work yeah. overtime. <laughs> Although, let's be real: how often are CEOs fired? Uh, gonna, more yeah. like that they're going to do a massive amount of layoffs. The CEO is going to get himself some bonuses. Uh, yeah, I mean, even if they get fired, they get uh, they get a nice bonus out the door. Oh yeah, nice little little severance package. Yeah, but like. I think the I think Nintendo games have managed to generally avoid this for two reasons. Is like one, they're not chasing graphics; they're not like chasing to be on the forefront of visual technology. Right. And then the second is that story is often secondary. Yeah, um, and, and despite some very good stories. Uh, yeah, I mean, I MHO. I actually love the Breath of the Wild story. Some people will say like it basically doesn't exist, but I think. That there's yeah, a lot of it's there, just like the music is there. The music is subtle yeah. for a reason, and it's like to me, it's a lot of emergent storytelling. You know, mm-hmm. it's um, it's not things that the writers wrote into the game necessarily. It's that like they gave you the space to fill that with yourself, right? Um, and I think you know we'll talk about Zelda one day, and I'll talk about how much I love Zelda. <laughs> but oh, yeah. uh, I, but I, I will also talk about how much I love Zelda as well. Yeah, I think part of the reason that you fall into a game like Zelda is because of the openness. Like it's it's a big invitation to a world and a sensation and a feeling. And yeah. th- those games have a very particular uh emotional resonance that I think is they do. very Oh, purpose. 100% and that I think that's why it's one of the pillars of the company because yeah. nothing else feels like Zelda. I mean, things have tried. Things have come along that have tried to be a Zelda. Yeah, but you just you just can't. And uh, this made this reminded me to going back to like the gameplay of uh, you know like building the systems first and then writing the story. I remember um, the the director of Breath of the Wild. You know, they were he was being interviewed by somebody, and they were like, you know, how did Shigeru Miyamoto respond to the game? And they're like, well, we set up a demo for him that was like, you know, two hours of like story events. And we handed him the controller, and uh, he spent an hour and a half climbing trees, and he didn't say a single word. And then he put the controller down and said, this is amazing. It didn't do anything that they wanted him to do. No, they like thought... They were but like it invites you to do that. Yeah, they were like going to send him on a quest. And I think that that is like the key to Nintendo in general. Because, I mean, Miyamoto is... Uh, I don't know. To, to a lot of people, he basically is the design of nintendo games for i think good reason yeah Um, it's super fair super fair to say and it's like the fact that what he was most interested in in playing zelda the new zelda games was like basically that what what we've been talking about is like the feel of being link and he was so into the feel of being link that like they set him up on this you know little mini quest in like a dungeon or whatever i forget what it is um but they had like a whole thing for him to do and he never moved out of the starting area 
Just and, and that's that's the way also that like both of my boys also played Breath of the Wild at first. That is literally yeah. they just go th- that first area where you kind of come out of being asleep and just whack some bokoblins and pick some apples and see yeah. what to see, see what there is to see. Well, that's kind of like the funny thing too when I think of when I played Breath of the Wild is a uh, you know I I kind of beelined it to the first dungeon, um, the first uh, divine beast. And then once I beat that, I spent, I think, the next 60 hours wandering the map. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like... Yeah, it's so, it's so easy to do. Yeah, and, um, but yeah, it's, it's all that, like, texture and sensation of, of the gameplay. And I think Mario is essentially, like, I mean, that, this is why I think that Mario is the reason most people who are around our age, let's say within, like, right. seven years of us... It's yeah. the reason that they still play video games if they do play video games is because when they were six years old, they got to play Mario and yeah. uh, they got it, to be Mario. Yeah, it, it just it feels so even, you know, 30 years later playing it last year with my son. I was like, man, because I had played Celeste. Um, maybe Celeste even kind of primed me to return. Celeste to Mario. feels real good, too, by the way, as, it a, does. as far as like a modern platformer that feels really good to play. Celeste is up there. But what's I can, funny? I can list a couple of them. We can do that at the end of the show. But Celeste, real good game feel. Yeah, but I think like what's funny to me is like you know you play an ultra modern game like Celeste, which has uh, you know a lot of acclaim for good reason. It's super fun and super uh, addicting. It's just yeah. like a great game. But then like you go back and play Mario three, and it <laughs> this will sound maybe insulting to the makers of Celeste, and I don't mean it this way. But I was like. You know, playing this game that is thirty years older is not worse, right? Like, I don't think like, that's a. I don't think that's insulting at all because it's yeah. in the same conversation. You're putting it in the same conversation, and you're not saying, "Oh, this feels so much better than playing right. <laughs> Celeste." And I, I think what Celeste did cleverly is, um, well, they it it's a game that feels good to move, but they rather than necessarily change the Mario dynamic is they just increase the speed. Yeah. Um, which, interestingly, uh, one of the 2D Mario games that came out before Celeste uh, does the same thing, kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is... And, uh, it, to, 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 and it works. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's such a... Mario is just... There's a reason that he's Mario. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it's And that sounds kind of stupid to say, but it's like, when you play... Uh, Mario RPG, for example, and the Mario that you are is the Mario, not just a Mario. Right. It's like, you... which is a, an important distinction. Yeah, and it's it's something that's used comedically, but it's also kind of like uh, I, I described it somewhere as like uh, Nintendo doing Philip Roth. Uh, I could see, yeah, Mario. I could see that because I, I like think I know where you're going with that. For those who don't know, Philip Roth, his he's a very famous now dead writer who wrote basically alternate versions of himself for you know his 50-year career yeah um and a lot of it is very comedic but like mario is the mario and he is also aware that he's mario and everyone is aware that he's mario Mm -hmm. both in the world and outside the world as players it's Um, internal and external yes it's this like extra meta narrative that is good hilarious (laughs) Um, oh man it's so good but there's a reason I think why they chose to do that instead of being making him like uh, you know a silent Chrono type protagonist where you're just like a guy. It's like yeah. no, if this game is gonna have Mario, he's Mario. He's not right. uh, 
He's not a Mario. He's not Link, and he's yeah. not Link. You know, yeah, yeah. Their their own silent protagonist. Yeah, and uh, man, Mario just he feels so good. He is so good. So do you do you or would you say that Mario three is your favorite of the original NES trilogy? Yes. Um, because and, I think it's the best, but I think my favorite is two. Do you, do you, which, it's so which, weird. Which, uh, which two, the real two or the one that the, the, us, us Americans got us to bro. Did you know that in Japan it was called Doki Doki panic? What? That, that, that's a joke, <laughs> uh, based on the fact that so many kids on the playground, uh, would just constantly tell the story about how Mario two was actually Doki Doki panic. That's what it was Mario, called, man. and they they didn't realize it was actually more of like a reskin of a game called Doki Doki Panic. But it's fine because you know elementary school kids telling Nintendo stories is a tale as old as time. Um, but no, that's the one I mean. The, uh, okay, the Doki yeah. Doki Panic Mario. I, I I just it's it was so different than the first one. Yeah, that it actually turned me off at first because it did not feel like more of what I was expecting. But yeah. it, at the same time, it was also really good. Like it yeah. felt really good to play. It felt different. Uh, I, I, it was like the first time when I was like realized to myself that like, like a new thing coming after the old thing doesn't have to be the same. It can be. Right. It can literally be anything. It like just opened up possibilities. I'm like, it made me start thinking that Mario three when it eventually came out was going to be way crazier than it ended up being because like I had already had my expectations completely flipped when mario 2 came out imagine if mario had followed like the um the final fantasy pathway where each just did just did its own wildly different thing like like like, in in this world it's like mario 3 is a mega man basically you know yeah you're like uh you're killing the koopalings and you're getting their shells and their powers yeah Man, I yeah, would play. Butt- I would play that game too. <laughs> I would. I would so play that. My buddy uh, Rick, just uh, who we hope to get on the podcast, doing some co-hosting, uh, had his son play some NES games that he'd never played, and one of them, oddly enough, was actually Mario One. And uh, one of the questions he uh, asked, or one of the surprises that came to him, is there was no ability to shoot in Mario One. Uh, and man, that just uh, uh, you know, I'm not trying to like. Uh, insult o- Owen or anything, but uh, that that's a, that's his son's name. But man, that was so funny for me because it's like kids these days do expect jump, shoot, run, where we just had jump and run, um, run and a jump. A little bit. Mario does have a shoot. Get a fire flower, man. <laughs> yeah, he he just hadn't gotten that far yet. He was jumping around, uh, almost that's died so to the first to the first Goomba because like he couldn't figure out. I mean, and the game teaches oh, you sure. that you either will or you will not. You will either jump on the Goomba or it will kill you. Those yeah. are like the two the two outcomes. I suppose or, you or could jump, jump over, over it, yeah. Um, but you will encounter another Goomba, which in uh, in that case will be your first Goomba that you will either jump on yeah. or it will kill you. At some um, point, you're going to jump on your first Goomba. Yes, yes, and and a Goomba will kill you. Uh, and so, like, it was just funny watching him because uh, two of the other games he played were uh, uh, Contra. Uh, he played a number of games, but Contra and um, Go- uh, Ghosts and Goblins. And mm. um, man, he really just threw him into the deep end uh, on yeah, that one. Yes. But like, but like Mario One, there there is no. It's it, like we said, it's it, the, the beauty and simplicity. It is run and jump. Uh, and if you're gonna do, you know, if you're gonna do two things, do them as well as you possibly can. Yeah, it's kind of like better. a like a a menu or something that has like, you know, a burger place that basically just does burgers or whatever, uh, burgers and fries. And yeah. then you go to a place like McDonald's that tries to do like everything, but it can't do everything as good as it can just do one or two things. Yeah, uh, my f- my favorite well. example of those are when you go to a small town 
and um you, the restaurant the the menu is like 20 pages long and there's like a chinese section an italian section a greek section and then like the american section yeah and in your head you're just like why who thought this was a good idea and then kind right. of uh you know maybe later you'll take a step back and go oh the reason that that is trying to be 20 restaurants is because it's the only restaurant right 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. yeah and so i mean you got to offer a little bit of everything but yeah in, in doing so you can't do any number of those things at like the best of your abilities no. Usually they have really good breakfast. These like because well, oh, bre- so good breakfast is kind of easy. Well, who maybe maybe I just hurt some chef's feelings by saying that, but uh, breakfast is good and uh, breakfast is super good. There is a difference between a really good breakfast and just a regular breakfast. So oh, I'll, I, I'll, I'm, I'll take I'm I'll take you. that back a little bit. Breakfast, I, I, but I'm, breakfast isn't easy. Breakfast is both easy and uh, difficult. Breakfast can be easy, but yeah, it is bre- almost always excellent. Yeah, breakfast is easy in that like anyone can make a breakfast. Right. Uh, if but there's a big difference between like, you know, my son's making scrambled eggs versus, you know, a chef making scrambled eggs. <laughs> yeah, oh man, I just saw a video the other day of a chef making some really really good looking scrambled eggs, and uh, now now I want eggs. Now yeah. I want now now I want them. Well, so uh, I talked about this in a different essay about a a, a book actually, but. Um, I described it as the perfect omelet. Yeah. And I think Mario, It. <laughs> I don't know how how I ended on breakfast, but it reminded me of Mario too. It's like Mario is the perfect omelet. You know, it's like anybody can crack some eggs in a pan and, you know, throw some cheese or meat or whatever, some mushrooms, veggies, stuff like that preferably, inside of it. Preferably they do. Yeah. And just be like, oh, this is an omelet. And you're like, I mean, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, uh, and this is like a breakfast scramble, but I'm going to let it pass because I do yeah. like all of these ingredients on like, their own and included together. Oh, yeah. But then, like, <laughs> you know, you go somewhere and you see on the menu that the omelet is, like, $20. And you're like, uh, what is this about? Like, who would ever pay that? Right. And then, uh, you know, someone is like, oh, man, you got to try it. So you try it and you're just, it's like, um, have you seen the fountain? Fountain. No. Oh, no, okay. I have not. Damn it! <laughs> I was thinking of any number. You can spoil it. It's fine. Uh, no, I, just, I, I am. I am immune to spoilers. Almost. You've, you've probably seen the GIF of it though. Or, um, uh, what's that Wolverine actor? Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman is like looking up above the ca- and the camera's facing him. Oh my god! I think like, I have that meme saved shining. on my phone. <laughs> yeah, it's like light is shining upon him. Uh, Stand by. Keep talking. I'm and wait for the wait for incoming memes. <laughs> yeah, but like that is uh, in some ways that is Mario. It's just like the first time you play Mario, and especially I think Mario three. Uh, that's how it feels. Like you you are seeing the face of God in a video game because it just in a lot of ways I don't know that any platformer has done better what Nintendo did with mario 3 and uh there are a lot of good platformers there's a lot of even good recent platforms um but uh i don't know man mario 3 is it really is i think that's part of why it's like because even super mario world is is almost just a reskin of mario 3 in terms of like the physics and everything like the levels are different and there's there's different stuff in there and it's i really i really like super mario world but the difference between I, i really i i really it's definitely i would say it's in my top three yeah, I think uh, I think it's actually my favorite Mario, but I think that the difference mechanically between Mario three and Mario four is almost nothing. 
Whereas, like, the mechanical difference between Mario 3 and um, the original Mario and what we call Mario The Lost Levels, uh, I think there's a pretty significant mechanical difference between I mean, those and Mario levels are, They're so hard. They're too hard. Even yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, let's just, let's be honest. Like, I mean, I feel like, I, I mean, I'm not like a professional gamer. Um, I've done some hard games and beaten some hard games. Uh, there, I'm not a, I'm not a Kaizo Mario player. Um, like I do not think, uh, I don't think I've ever beaten. Uh, I don't think I've ever beaten the lost levels. Yeah, I definitely have not. Um, yep. That's the, that's, is that, that is the meme? It. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I have this saved on my phone for very various uh, occasions. I was, I was like, what, what is this from? But now I know. No, yeah. I've never, seen, and, um, never seen it myself. Yeah, I love that movie. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that is kind of like the feeling that I think you get from Mario. And, of course, you're like six years old, so you don't even, you don't even realize that that's what... You don't realize that you're playing one of the best games ever made because it's like, I don't know, it's like the fifth game you've ever played in your life. <laughs> right and and you don't realize that there is a strong chance you may never play a better one which because that would be depressing <laughs> yeah and it's like you know we've talked about like mario's run and jump and the physics of it and it's like you don't realize that like i didn't realize when i was you know five or six or however old i was when i first played mario 3 that uh most games would never feel that good again and i think that that mm. actually is um, so I stopped playing video games for kind of a, well, relatively long time between like, I would say 17 and like 24 ish, something like that. Okay. I didn't, I didn't what, really what play. Were the, what were the years uh, that you stopped? <sighs> Let's see. So probably 2005 ish, 2005, okay, so 2006, something like that. And then yeah, um, we kind of checked out around the same time then because okay. I had, uh, I was doing grad school and I was like, I, I can't, like something's got to give. And unfortunately uh, it's got to be my hobby because I I need the income and I need to you know do well in grad school and so uh, video games had to take a couple year hiatus. Yeah, and for me it was less of even that. It was just uh, I I did I did a lot of dumb dangerous things when I was younger. <laughs> um, and I still don't, like don't do we, those kids. Yeah, we still we still played video games with like my roommates and stuff. So we'd have like you know Super Smash Bros tournaments or whatever, play Goldeneye things like that. But I didn't. I don't think I played a game like solo. Maybe I played like three solo games in those seven years. Yeah. Um, so then I would say, let's see, I came back to it like 2012. Uh, but even then, I only kind of came back. I played Skyrim and wasted my life in that. And that like turned me off really, games again. It was really easy to do, unfortunately. But, You're like, but oh like, my God. Man, it, uh, the way that it wastes your time. Once, <laughs> So I, I got really mad after I beat it because when you go back to the people who sent you on like the quest to, you know, beat the game, they're just like, right. they're just like, cool. And I was like, that's it. Yeah. Like, like, and the, you know, the intention is that you'll just keep playing it forever. But I was like, I was like, I'm never touching this game again. That is such bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It, that's a, that's a part, that's a, that's part of game field that d- does not feel good. Yeah. You know what? Actually, it, it's kind of funny now that I think about it. I basically stopped playing video games right after final fantasy 12 came out so i played i played most of final fantasy 12 and i liked it a lot even back then yeah and um, I, I did not beat it back then but i played most of it i got yeah. i think i got real close to the end but then yeah. i think that there's a part where you need higher level dudes and i didn't want to grind and then yeah, i just kind of didn't come back or something like that i uh i was working at blockbuster and i was 
renting it and um basically as an employee stealing it from everyone else and my manager was like you can't you can't do that anymore um <laughs> so Dang. so i think Dang i got a manager come on man yeah so i think i got like 30 some hours anyway i really liked it but then like i came back uh and one of the first games that i played when i got back into games again was final fantasy 13 which uh sucks and so it's kind of like even when i came back it's like i hit some things that kind of pushed me back out yeah and i would say it wasn't really until final fantasy 15 came out that i really hopped back in so yeah, final maybe, fantasy 15 is so good the, yeah, so, the haters so, are just wrong on final fantasy 15 i'm oh, not man. gonna make a lot of a statements like that on uh on wrongness uh i will you know f- defend certain final fantasy takes uh you know seven for me was a little overrated six is the best and 15 is incredible and people who don't like 15 are weird yeah weird I d- weird weird to i me. do think that people are mostly right about the problems with final fantasy 15 but i think the thing that they're missing is that it doesn't matter no it doesn't um, it, it super doesn't matter it's 15 it's, it's such a joy to play and like maybe it's yeah. partly because i hadn't really played a video game like well, i guess the last one that i really tried to get into was final fantasy 13 um and it pushed me right back out yeah um but then well, you like, didn't wait the 40 hours till it got good that was, that <laughs> well was your i actually i actually basically did and then i i stopped <laughs> i I'm stopped the like, good part i'm at the good part and i regret my decisions yeah yeah um well it's funny because i stopped playing probably like 35 hours in and then uh a year later i picked it up just because i was like i just need to beat it and there was like an hour or two left of the game and i beat it um which is it just i don't know it's not that good but final fantasy final fantasy 15 is just a joy to play i i yeah. love it and it's I, got an all-time great uh, uh antagonist in in arden yeah i and, really uh, like him there's there's so much that it well now that i know that you like final fantasy 15 we might have to do a big ass final fantasy 15 oh, yeah. episode i uh actually recently rebought it for pc because i wanted to put it on uh on the steam deck so i could play Ooh. final fantasy 15 in, in my bed Nice. And so that is going to be a thing I do uh, one of these days because I got I got to play it again. It's 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 good. It's super, I also have good. been meaning to play it again because um, when I played it, the uh, all the uh, DLCs weren't out yet. Oh yeah yeah. Um, and you know, I actually have a real a real spicy take about chapter thirteen. If you remember that one, that's the one that everyone hated. Like you you lose all your bros and all of your powers. Is it where it's just you? Yep. <clears throat> I mean, what Noctis just hanging yeah. out like it's real dark. Yep, and you're just going yeah. down hallways. Yeah. Um so uh everyone hates that part of the game, which makes sense because that game that part of the game sucks, but that's actually what makes it great. Um because it's supposed to suck. It's supposed to it's supposed to narratively show you how much it sucks to not have your bros with you. Yeah. Like and if I, you don't know that, maybe you maybe maybe you're like the 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 part of the group that that is like the weakest link (laughs) yeah and i think it's like so this is what drove me crazy about it is because then i heard that so uh you know square enix patched it and i was like patched it what do you mean that was like i mean i hated that part of the game but it's also in in a certain way the best part of the game like it's it's why the narrative works um because so much it it is it is it's a hangout game yeah and it's like i've heard that term a lot and it, it is like an absolutely fantastic hangout game hanging with hanging with your friends yeah and it's it's a game about friendship and you do some things as the protagonist that uh are not super chill man no <laughs> like, not chill at all um and so your your bros they abandon you or kind of you abandon them and uh yeah 
you are shown through this like merciless three hour slog that it is it's a slog but it's it's fine yeah and it's like i don't remember hating it that's the weird thing i've been trying i've been racking my brain and i remember that part and i don't remember hating it i just remember being like man i can't i really hope i can reconcile yeah and i think the reason well it's because people are babies and like they're like this isn't fun anymore it's like it's not supposed to like this is this there's a narrative here and yeah. that they let, baked, this, let this art cook, man. Come on. Yeah, it's like that they baked the narrative so deeply into the mechanics of the game is something that like still blows me away. That this gigantic triple uh, A game, like that they would do something that bold and just be yeah. like, "Hey, uh, you know, you're already 35 hours into the game. We're gonna make the next three miserable." Yeah, and it's like, goddamn. And yeah. so, like, to some Thanks extent, I, I, yeah, I understand why people are like. You know, this game is broken, but it's because, uh, I don't know, we're like hummingbirds and we can't, we just can't, yeah, we can't just sit and watch it bake. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're, we're, we're running long now and yeah, we're talking we're, about we're Final Fantasy long, 15. But, <laughs> oh, we're gonna, so, no, what this just tells me is that we're going to have a Final Fantasy 15 episode. Yeah. And I a Halo this, one. This, oh, absolutely. Like this, this podcast has been so much fun because it's given me like so many more ideas about things that I really want to talk about. Uh, and it turns out uh, they, they make for fun conversations, uh, not just like talking about them, but really kind of diving into them. So, yeah. and I think that that's the clever thing that we decided was just to focus on one game because I mean, yeah. we were even talking about this. Or try be- to, <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this before we even uh, started today, which is like um, it's almost impossible to talk about one thing because uh, it leads you to, especially when you're talking about something that's so like intrinsically tied to your memories of being right. a person. You know, it's like, so when I think of Mario, I don't just think of video games. And even when I do think of video games, it's not, I don't just think of Mario games. I think of, or just Mario style or even Nintendo. Like we've, we've, we've gone from Microsoft to Sony, you know, consoles we've spanned 40 years. Like it's because (laughs) literally he's Mario's kind of like the beating heart of video games. Um, And we've, we, I still, man, I'm just going to come back to something I said earlier. Like I, I have really, I feel like I've really judged games like if they just feel good to play or not, and that came yeah. from the fact that Mario felt real good to play. It was like my first experience that I spent like you know hours on as a kid, right. and if it didn't feel good, I didn't click with it. I would have that, the, the the good games that don't feel good to play that I like. I always had to come back to when I got older to appreciate them in a, in a different way because my my first impression needed to be that it felt good to play. Yeah, and or for every me, Mario game has done that. Yeah, the other thing for me was like if it narratively hooked me super hard because I yes. I did yes. I did play some games that are not fun to play, but like you know even I guess I don't even think of this at the time, but like I think the reason Final Fantasy fifteen yanked me back into being a gamer as an adult is because it just felt so good to play. It felt good to run around that world and fight monsters, and uh, people people will complain about the combat, but like the combat's fun. They're like, oh, you just you just just motion buttons it's like yeah but that that's that's, that's fun <laughs> you ever play like, a turtle game <laughs> oh yeah like that, uh, oh man yeah we got to talk about some some beat-em-ups uh yeah. so, soon in the next couple episodes because uh i got a lot to say about those and uh most of it is glowing i love them <laughs> and uh one of the beat-em-ups maybe the first one i'll talk about will be uh, streets of rage 2 because mm. like mario 1 it's one of the uh, two games i have distinct memories of playing with my dad yeah. And uh, so, I mean, Streets of Rage 3 is better than Streets of Rage 2, but I like Streets of Rage 2 more. It holds oh, a more funny. special place in my heart. Because, uh, I mean, literally just about everything that Streets of Rage 2 does, uh, 3 does better. 
Um, uh-huh. But three is not two. Yeah, and it's funny how that kind of works out. I mean, it's kind of like even, you know, I like Super Mario World better than Super Mario 3 for purely aesthetic reasons. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the games are not, I would say they're not different enough mechanically right? Uh, to... Run, jump, grab turtle shells, uh, bounce them into other things. Yeah, and like the physics are identical. Um, yeah, they both have flying. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the leaf and the, and, the, and the feather. Yeah, and it's like it, uh, I don't know, it's it's uh yeah and like so one of the funny i guess to bring this all the way full circle back to uh, the parenting part of it is uh this playing mario with my son like i think has probably solidified him as like a lifelong gamer um he loves mario and uh, i tell him stories every night and for for almost the whole year he just wanted to hear stories about mario mario and yoshi one of us one of us hilariously he loves luigi the most yeah, so does my uh, so does my youngest. I wonder uh, he's, why he's like, a Luigi what it, head. What is it, what it is about Luigi? But don't know. Loves him though. Yeah, especially because like in uh, you know some of those early Mario games, you can only play Luigi when you're playing two player. You can't pick Luigi. Um, right. So I I don't know. He just so we were Mario the entire. You know, we played every 2D game and uh, yeah. and Super Mario 64. So we played I don't know dozens of hours of Mario, and never once was he Luigi. But Luigi is his man. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Everybody's got to have their their favorite. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, well, but yeah. Think... Let's. I was just yeah. gonna say let's let's probably wrap it up there. I think that's a good spot to end on. Um, yeah. Feel free to, as always, check the show notes uh, for anything that we might have uh, forgotten. Um, Eddie, where can they where can they find you, the listeners? You can find me at my newsletter at radicaledward.substack.com, um, and you can or. You can go to now dadpod.substack.com if that if that's not where you're listening to this now. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say if you uh, if you hadn't checked that out, uh, feel free to. Um, letting everyone know also if uh, you're on one podcast uh, provider but would prefer another, I believe we're on both Spotify and Apple Podcast right now. Yep. Uh, you can find me at Twitter or X or whatever the whims of uh, d- deluded and deranged billionaire. Uh, <laughs> push us toward next but i whatever that site is i am at joe m owens um and uh you can find me on some of the other social platforms i guess when they get out of beta uh i guess you know blue sky being (laughs) the main one i just i have i secured my account there just to have it uh got lucky some someone uh, sent me a invite very happy about that so if uh you know twitter just completely flames out there's a another place where you can find me and uh what i whatever i'm up to so uh yeah with that i think uh i think we're we're good to we're good to call it here yeah and i'll just say uh so we're releasing these first four rapidly but the next one is going to be in two weeks and then two weeks is going to be the cadence going forward yep. i think <laughs> yep so yeah mario uh will be out the same week as the uh, the other three despite not being recorded uh, really anywhere near the first couple so yeah um yeah so uh, enjoy enjoy the binge uh and then uh, you know look forward to checking us out every 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 two weeks from then on out exactly <laughs> all right well i will catch up with you later and uh thanks again for listening to the dad pod games cast